Hey, Mats. Hey, Danny. How's it going, buddy? You know, it is going, and it's it's a good day in the neighborhood. I've been back to doing a lot of shows these days. My my I, the amount of content and chess shows and videos I've been doing, and I know that's what I do for a living. So you're like, what do you mean? You do it all the time. But I've been doing a lot, and so my my voice is. Yeah, do you ever get voice fatigue? You know what? I'm not. I'm not going to lie. So one of the hardest parts, I'm sure you know, is like this morning. I'm I'm here in Austin, and I gave two sessions back to back, and those are 75 minute sessions right. of doing uh, talking to slides, but also talking uh, and demoing. So talking through the demo and demoing and writing code and explaining it, and then after each session, people ask questions for 15 to 20 minutes, sometimes an hour. And then we have a social afterwards, sometimes like different events. So today I've probably talked for about three and a half to four hours straight. And now I'm doing this podcast. So about five hours of nonstop talking and I get one exhausted. It's an exhaust. It's just, it's exhausting to speak. Yep. And because uh, your brain has to think about what you're about to say next and make sure you don't say something bad. And is it correct? And okay, now I'm demoing and I'm typing. But, you know, I, I get uh, mouth fatigue. Like right now, I had to grab a water because I, I'm a little bit fatigued. I think we're both a little uh, voice fatigued. Is that happening? Yeah, 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 no, you're totally right. And my experience has been uh, similar and, and not not uh, doing live live seminars like you are, but similar in terms of the amount of talking I've been doing. And we launched a, uh, a new show that's called Chess Today where I, I basically, it's almost like a podcast format, but video cast where I, I'm going live on chess TV like every morning and just kind of taking people through my day. So I, you know, I solve a puzzle and I, I do something fun and kind of engage with the fans, a little bit of Q&A, answer some questions, give some advice, and then and then get back to work. And um, just having to do that every day to start the day off with talking, I think sometimes is catches up with you but you know um but who am i kidding i mean i have a dream job i talk for a living talk about chess for a living i mean even more mind-blowing right you talk about something you talk about something that you're truly passionate about and you right. love and I, it's funny i tell people how i got my job at xamarin i go i didn't even know what a, an evangelist was and i read the description it's like do you want to travel and speak and blog and and uh, create this stuff and like talk about what you love for a living i was like that's a job like how is that how is that a job? How is someone going right. to pay me for that? And it's amazing to to right. do not only get to, you still get to play chess and I still get to write apps. I, but, it was funny because today we yeah. had a conversation where um, a bit of a, a bit of an important discussion with some of the managers in our company, uh, an email was flying around and I'm not going to get into it because it actually involves a particular controversial topic going on in the chess world. But regardless of that, they, I, they needed me to weigh in. And so I was getting pinged in Slack like, hey. Hey, can you weigh in on this email? Like, we really want your uh, feedback on how we should handle this. And I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm working here. And they're like, you're playing Blitz. You're playing <laughs> Blitz chess. And like, I was actually doing a video. I was playing with Simon. They're like, we can see you in the live server. I'm like, yeah, I know it's working. I'm working right now, and I can't, I can't read your email. I'm in the middle of talking some serious trash with Grandmaster Simon Williams and trying to <laughs> trying to beat him down in a chess rivals. You know. And it's 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 crazy because I have to I have to admit I, I was so I'm I'm always excited to talk to you, Danny. It's always a highlight of my week. But I feel like this week in general, the last seven days have been a big tease because everywhere I look, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Danny is everywhere, all over my social Dude, media. I have, I have everywhere. been. I have been. I've been. I've been. I've been really back at it again, and it's been. 
fun, a little bit of a change or a shift. I mean, Eric and I, have, we're always kind of assessing the direction of the company and where our time is most valuable. And with the team members that we've added recently and some of the things we've gotten in place. And we just kind of said, Hey, you know what? Like let's, um, I mean, I've, and I've got a lot of emails, a lot of things that I have to kind of get to, but the truth is one of the things that I, you know, need to do more of is, is, is do chess shows and media and have fun and let people know that, yeah, we're here and we're hosting regular chess entertainment and it's educational and you can learn and chess isn't hard and it's fun. And, and that's kind of what I do, man. I convince people of this big lie, you know? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's not a lie. I convince people that chess is – it is possible. You, too, can enjoy a chess game. And, uh, and that's my job is to convince people of that. So I've gotten – I've committed myself this week that I'm going to get back really on the in, the in the public eye of doing more chess shows, having more fun. You know, one of the things that inspired me to do it was this podcast because I was having so much fun mm. with this. Like, I haven't enjoyed – talking for a while and our podcast honestly i just i just feel so good about our podcast i love it well you know i I love you danny and i gotta say i also love i'm gonna shout it out early on i love that the bullet brawl is back baby it's my favorite thing that you do by the way um it it almost got me hooked on watching you play chess Uh, i don't know when the first time you did bullet brawl was but i remember watching if people don't know bullet brawl uh, i may be describing this wrong but it's essentially each you and your opponent has one minute each uh, on your side but the nice thing is that you are interacting live with your premium members and twitch people and anyone can challenge you and what's cool is that you do a bunch and sometimes you break down the analysis of it but it's so quick and it's so fast and it's it's like this whole other side of chess i think we talked about it in episode 1 but it's back and i was watching uh, a few days ago i'm putting it in the show notes too the episode and i was like you're having fun and you you were singing this song or whatever and then yeah. i was singing it today at the conference <laughs> and you're doing this little dance it was amazing it was Dude, amazing. i don't i don't know i honestly bullet brawls are like therapy for me because i just have so much fun just basically just play chess which is something i've you know it's like my you know it's what i do and it's my passion and so i play chess and just make jokes and offend people and sing songs and have a blast and people love it and i i you know nothing like uh nothing like just destroying somebody over a bullet chess game while you while you sing a song that's stuck in your head because everybody gets songs stuck in their head and so you just it's like imagine what you would want to do if you could just sit there and write code and someone was filming you and you were like singing songs and talking trash and just having a blast like it would just that's all it would be and you know that's that's what I what I do with the bullet brawls but you know what let's let's keep this truck rolling because we we're talking a lot about chess and I want to know what's new with Motsy because Mots in your world. You are you're doing your own bullet brawls. That, I, I mean, your own version of it. What what what's what's on your plate this week? Well, this week has been awesome. It's it's conference season. It's in full swing right now in Austin. By the time the show comes out, I'll be in Mountain View. By the sh- time the next show comes out, I'll be in Orlando. By the time the next show out, I'll be out in Oslo. I'll be all over the place. We don't even need to know uh, where's Mott's going because he's going absolutely everywhere. Yeah, it's you're full going bananas. Swing. You are going bananas. That's it's where you're going. going. It's going bananas. And last week we had our big conference at Wink Rate. And I actually got inspired by this podcast and all the stuff you were doing. I recorded a bunch of YouTube videos um, about some new products that we announced because I was like, you know what? I did this in the past. I did these things called Mots Codes Live, where I would just code live on, on YouTube. And uh, so I decided done that. you've done your own bullet brawl of coding. I've, I've done my own bullet brawl. Dude, yeah, I would interact. I, I want to see that. Maybe I would get into coding from watching you. 
Eh, I don't know. It, it's it's. <laughs> eh. I did a few good ones. I did one where I created tic tac toe. Uh, in under uh, an hour, I said from scratch, file new, and, and just watch me code. And, and I was doing it because I needed it for a sample, and that was super fun. And uh, it was stressful though because it, it, it was it's part of my job, but I was also travel so much. Where right now I'm literally in a Hyatt, Hyatt Regency. Shout out to Hyatt, uh, hashtag uh, Regency life, um, and uh, <laughs> hashtag uh, Hyatt Gold member, um, <laughs> and uh, upgraded to the sixth floor of twenty. Um, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, right, but right now, right. It, I'm traveling. So I travel so much. The problem with the Motsko's live is that I couldn't sit down uh, right now and I couldn't do anything. Cause I'm literally, who knows what the internet connection is going to be wherever I'm at. So it became stressful, but it was so much fun. I really like it. So I, I decided to record some videos and make them a little bit more pro moves, you know, uh, kind of pre-recorded type stuff. And, and it went, it, it went great. A lot of good feedback. So I've been kind of doing that. Lots of speaking, um, and Austin's beautiful right now. It's like really just 980, 90 degree weather, zero yeah, humidity. Yeah, I was going to ask that. It sounds, sounds delicioso. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, before we get to you, I want to keep you up to date on the situation at home, which is Robovac, Robovac 2017 watch. You know, I don't, um, I don't even want to get to me. I wanted to know because last week we had this amazing discussion about your your process of buying the Robovac and my my OCD and, and my fantasies. I mean, maybe the vacuum could one day learn how to vacuum up children, but that's another discussion. I, I love the, I, so, so just please preach to me. How is the robo vac doing at the house? It is the most amazing thing that I've ever sat down and went on Amazon and purchased. Remember when I said all I ever wanted to do was sit down and go on Amazon and buy a robo vac. And yep. it's fan, it's phenomenal. I am, I am, we've run it a bunch of times and like, the, we were sitting there, uh, Heather and I, and and at some point it's like, all right, I'm low on battery. And it's all like, all right, I'm going back to my base. And literally within like two minutes, it's all like, I'm going home. What if my five-year-old, what if like right before her her mid-afternoon tantrum where, you know, we accidentally let her have sugar after lunch, she's like, okay, I'm about to run out of batteries and throw a massive tantrum. I'm going to go in my room for an hour and read a book and calm down. Like that would oh. be, oh man, this is fantasies world coming on. It, it was amazing. And like when it docked, like we lost our crap. Like we, I was like jumping up and down. I was like, you get out of town. Like what? And, and Heather's looking at me and she's like, my jaw dropped. You know what I mean? I was like, I can't, like how, what technology in this world does it know? And it, it just blew my mind. And it grabs so much stuff off the floor. Not that we're dirty people, but this is just like dust and Dustin. like in the crevices. So then how do, how do you clean the RoboVac? Do you, does it, does it clean itself? Because then it's like now we're talking. If kids could clean themselves, I mean, what, what what's going on here? It, it, so the the Robovac gets up and it takes a little dip, and it's like I'm gonna go just uh, pour a little hot uh, bath for myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's it has a little deta- so like when it docks, it's it's little butt sticks out where the container's <laughs> at, and it's little butts like shimmies in there, and you press down on a button and it slides out. And you just empty, you open it up. It's like a little uh, drawer. I think of it like opening a sock drawer, but the sock drawer is covered. So you open it up and it doesn't like spray everywhere. It, you you hold it above the trash can and you hit like a little button. It just opens up and Man. all the stuff pops out. It's, just... it's, it's pretty great. And if you have a lot of hair or something like that, you know, kids that, you know, people shed and hair right. and animals, uh, it gives it comes with a little tool to essentially help with any of the little roller brush, but we really haven't done done much to be honest. And y- you just hit this button, and it's like, all right, I got this. And it, 
and literally I just sit there and it's my new pastime. I just like, you know how people watch the grass grow? Right. I watch the the RoboVac clean. It's, I'm just like, honestly, it sounds like on? a really healthy meditation. I know that sounds silly, but I mean, one of the reasons why adult coloring books was so, you know, were so popular, and and now we're stuck in the situation we are with our president. But that's another story. But uh, adult <laughs> coloring books have taken over the world and consciousness of most of the adults in the country. And one of the reasons is that it's just like a mindless action that gets you to meditate, right, and kind of zone out, where a lot of people would have a tr- a tough time. Um, you know, actually meditating in the way that we think about it, despite so many like potential benefits of calming your brain and and really just emptying your your thoughts of of things that are you know and let your brain kind of breathe right and and that's one of the scientific benefits of meditating and that's why mindless focus has become such a popular way to do that because it, you know oh, yeah. you keep busy watching the robovac before you know it half an hour's gone by and you feel refreshed and your robovac has has cleaned your house too I mean. It's like it's like a win-win situation. Yep. There's Diet. no no nobody is losing, and the Robovac is meditating. It, it is so Bro, happy. <laughs> Robovac it is, is it's it's on it. It's weird. You know what? I think the, I don't want to bring up the elephant in the room, but you know, I know you and Heather. You know, have been talking about having having this little one. So now you need to name the Robovac. Its name is Yuffie, and uh, she. You already have a name for it. Yep, uh, her name is Yuffie. And, her name and have, is Yuffie. Okay. Yep, she's um she's newborn. She's right out out of the uh, the the factory, <laughs> off the boat, okay. and uh, we've adopted her into our lives and really uh, treating her. I, I swear, and I swear to you, like literally, Heather goes, and her name is Yuffie. That is that is uh, so funny. You guys named it because I thought it was going to be like a funny thing. We're like, you can't name a Robovac. You guys are already two steps ahead of me. I love it. I'm on it. it. And you you know what we're doing? Third step ahead of you is that you know we're putting like stuffed animals and things on top of Yuffie as she cleans (laughs) around and Snapchatting that to everybody that we know. That is so funny. If you give Yuffie a place at the dinner table, we're going to have a serious conversation. But right right now, I'm going to just continue to encourage your behavior and ask you very simply what the people want to know which is Mott's why is technology ruining our lives this week it is it's ruining everybody's life you know why because you turned off your uh, 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 software updates why'd you do that Danny why'd you turn off auto updates I did that I didn't do that I update my stuff you better update your stuff. You know when well, you Windows. Know why. Okay, I'll, I'll defend the people that haven't turned off. I mean, I'll, if we're going to go there, hit me. Here's the issue: is that people don't like change in general, right? I mean, we just did a massive redesign of our site, which you and I were talking about before the podcast started. And one of the things about when you're redesigning, not just the front end, and, and when, it, when you think of a redesign, most people think visually, right? You made something that looked this way look a new way, which, okay, that is part of a redesign. You change the way something looks. But a real redesign, like on an architectural level, is to change like the structure or the fundamental core or framework of something to make it faster, to make it more user-friendly, to give you yeah. a better platform to add more features, which is something Windows never did because they just kept adding more crap on top of DOS forever, <laughs> right? So like, so we, we, we took the gamble and it just.com, we did a massive redesign to do a lot behind the scenes that we knew wasn't going to be appreciated. It was going to take all of our developers' resources for years. And it was like, it, it's like remodeling a 747 while it's in flight. Yeah, it's, totally. It's not it, because because it, that, you know, new members didn't stop signing up at chess.com, right? We were still growing and we became you know, really stuck in this really tough situation where like, then then we achieved this goal, right? We achieved this massive goal and we're so happy with the new look of the site and the product and where we've come. And you know what? People didn't want to switch because they hate change. They People love the change. old 
Yep. The old clunky gross. Like literally, I was going back to the old chess.com and a little bit of vomit would appear in the back of my throat. And I hit the button. You're like, don't members. do it. Don't do it. You're like, exactly. don't do it. I was like, members are telling me off. Diamond members are telling me off for not understanding why they love the old site. And and now, of course, which is great, we're in a position where I mean, everybody loves a new site and it takes time. But you know how many people told us they would never switch? They hated what we had done and we were like ruining their favorite chess website that now absolutely love what we've called V3, our new site. Yeah, because people hate change. You know how much I hate when iOS would just like automatically update because I did, you know, something I used regularly or considered important to me by a default setting was changed. And now it's not yeah. there. And and you get upset and irritated because because when you like something, you like it for reasons that often people don't know every reason that someone likes something. And so so that's why people turn it off, because they're like, stop changing things when I'm not looking. It's upsetting. Yeah, drastic drastic changes are hard, you know, and we run through that same problem on the Xamarin team. We're making IDE changes. We're doing a whole lot of stuff. And and it's fine to change things as long as you can still find it easily. And sometimes that's the biggest part. So big drastic changes. So, for instance, when you make when, when Windows comes out with a huge, huge update and they change like where everything's at, like how do I how do I do a fundamental thing. And if people don't know how to do that, again, it gets confusing. Now, the updates I'm actually talking about are the security updates. Now, in Windows 10, they've made some changes where you can defer major updates, but you can keep um, security updates on. And Security Tuesday, there's there's patches every single week. And right. the reason that I'm going to bring this up, and, and I do agree with you, everything that you're saying, Danny... You hit the nail on the head. And I understand because every time I update an app or I do anything, I'm like, it's it's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, it's v, V2. Uh-oh. All right. Got to relearn this whole app, you know? Yeah, it's uh, V2, it's V3chess.com. Like, what? You can't do this. And You can't do that. And we're like, no, Damn it's you better. for making it's it better. Better. It's faster. And there's and there's features on the new one that you can't get on the old one. And you know what? They, they give you the middle finger. They don't care. Exactly. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. But, but in this instance, you should keep your security updates on. And, and if you haven't heard, we all have heard on every end. PR and every every you know NBC and ABC this one I call it wanna cry and I wanna cry for you because you turned off your security updates. It's called wanna crypt. And, right. and, and this is this is an issue because now everyone's playing a blame game where some people are blaming the NSA and some people are blaming other people and other people are this. Now if people don't know wanna crypt is it you probably don't you probably doesn't impact you too much because you've probably actually updated your software and security updates because most of that stuff is automatic. And uh, essentially what happens here is WannaCrypt has rolled out this, this they call it um, ransomware. And this is not a new concept. This usually happens when you open a bad email and you have some stuff going on and you install some software. This is probably more prevalent in the past in Windows XP days. So essentially what happens is they kind of look to, uh, they miss a robot you in a way, where they want to essentially say that all of your files are encrypted and you got to pay them to unlock your system. Right. So you can't they hi- use they your hijack stuff. your stuff and they give it back to you for a price. N- yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you pay it, then it's good. And, and most of the time they actually do. And they say, oh, cool. Thanks. Thanks for 300 bucks. Now, the problem with this one, why it's ruining our lives is that, um, so this was actually a problem because it actually hit uh, hospitals and schools and other things where they didn't do security updates to older software. And this is the first time that uh, it actually mostly hit older Windows XP and Vista machines. And Windows XP, there's no longer under, it's not supported anymore. Microsoft went out of its way and actually did a security patch for Windows XP specifically for this. Now, what's crazy about this in general is that um, it's also hitting um, countries where pirated software doesn't get updates, uh, like Russia. 
Um, it's a, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different countries that are very known for pirating versions of windows. They don't get security updates. Right. So, so you got to keep this stuff on. You have to have the, this stuff and, and this could hit any machine. Of course, if you're on a Mac OS, you should update your software on windows. You should do this too. Um, and, and at least be doing your security updates and you can always postpone those major updates. What's really interesting. I want to point out about this is two things. And when I want to say it's ruining our lives is that, there's big corporations or NSA or other things that in, in countries that are developing these these hacks, these um, malicious things, and they're not informing the companies about it. So so actually, like a, some of this exploit is being pinned on the NSA for this um, loophole that they found or this this backdoor that they found in Windows. And usually when when this happens in the wild um, from somebody that finds an export, exploit like if they find an exploit in google or something like that they will essentially people will go and tell google and say hey listen i found this thing you really need to fix this um and uh i'm gonna give you a month and then i'm gonna you know tell everyone about this exploit so it kind of calls them out however you know that's not the case when the nsa has this stuff and then it leaks out and then microsoft has to scramble because now hackers have this backdoor but what's crazy about this whole thing is i want to give props to this 22-year-old, um, I don't know if he's an engineer or whatever, who essentially found a stopgap um, in the source code. And all he had to do to stop it was register a very specific domain name. And then the software is pinging this domain name to see if it's registered. And then once it's registered, it turns itself off. Oh, that's a genius idea. <laughs> yeah. You've got to include a link to this, to, this, uh, to this stuff in the show notes, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I'll say that I, I know of a personal experience that happened recently to a local company um, with uh, with one of these, you know, ransom, mm-hmm. ransom notes. And, and it was it was described to me by my friend. My, my he's, he's a doctor. Um, he's actually been a been a wonderful uh, philanthropic investor in the local chess community. Um, keep his name anonymous, but just an awesome man. And he uh, and he's an older guy, but he called me and we were just kind of catching up and shooting the breeze. And he told me that his his office got hijacked and they had to pay oh. like five grand. Oh, and my gosh. Terror. And he was like – and but for him, it was like mind-blowing that somebody would do this to him, right? Yeah. He was like, what? It's like and, – and in that case, it makes you really upset just on a personal human level. You're like the the lack of – you know, it's where technology, you know, ultimately can be ruining our lives in a lot of ways because of that lack of human connection where you, you know, you can justify in your own little world that you're doing something to make money for yourself or you're doing something that you think you're helping them learn security holes, but there's really no empathy for the other side or for the consequences that you're creating. You know, it's like a generation of people who would never walk into a store and steal a CD, but have no problem pirating illegal software, right? Yeah. Because they just don't experience it in the way that you wish that they could and would and should, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so it, uh, from that perspective, the ransom stuff is just really sad and kind of ugly. And, and, uh, but I did want to tell a funny story so we could end this on a positive note because I, I, I mean, want to, I can't wait to see the show notes and I'm going to check out some of these articles because I did not know about that, that awesome 22 year old. But uh, speaking of updating uh, automatically, one of the funny things that happened was the machine I'm on right now is a, Super, super powerful, robust Windows 7 professional that I built myself. And I got it a couple years ago, uh, like right, or even like just a year and a half ago. 
whatever windows 10 had just come out and i knew i hated windows 8 and windows vista and Mm -hmm. i didn't and i didn't know yet about windows 10 so i paid the extra money to stick with windows pro and you know i i was really familiar with all the streaming software and all the broadcast tools and you know so i made sure it was a super awesome machine and one of the things that really upset me as windows 10 came out is how aggressively they tried to get me to upgrade where like one time i came into the computer after i had gone i had been gone for an hour and i came back and the computer was like halfway through the update of going to windows 10 on its own and i like, like, like and, no, I, you're and i freaked out and yelled at the computer and forced shut it down and luke came in because luke and i were sharing the office at the time and luke was like what's wrong like what happened <laughs> and i was like my damn computer is trying to upgrade itself to windows 10 so like i know you're a, you're a big windows and microsoft guy and i've heard good things about windows 10 and i know it's that good. it's and, and and I will be upgrading at some point, but at that time I was like, it pushed me over the edge mentally, right? Where I was like, you are not going to force it. I didn't trust my computer. I started shutting it down every night when I left the office. Oh my goodness. I, I felt like it was cheating on me and I didn't know what it was capable of when I was gone. <laughs> so it, it, yeah. I thought that was a funny. And it's interesting. And it's interesting too. These things are so aggressive. So we have like a, a Samsung smart home and a few other things. And these things are just updating by themselves. So I will say this as so my takeaway from how we can kind of self correct this. Okay. So I always like to have the negatives with the positives. Right. And this is something I do uh, myself. So this is a a Mottsism. This is a Mott's pro tip, if you will, which is as hashtag pro this tip. hashtag pro tip. Uh, <laughs> As 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 this Internet of Things grows and we have echoes and Google Homes and dinguses everywhere, um, you know, when you go home for the holidays, do your due diligence. Take an hour of the night when the parents are asleep uh, or 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 your um, aunts and uncles or whoever who is maybe not as tech savvy, update their software. Uh, tell them you're going to do this. Update their software, update their router firmware, and try to update any of these IoT devices that are sitting around. Router firmware is a huge thing um, because there's so many routers that it, it's you have to go in and, and do it manually to actually update them. So pro tip, just do it. Every holiday, uh, my dad even goes, he's like, I'm going to need you to just, m- m- can you just make sure we're a good? And I go, yeah, I got you, dad. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I can you make know? sure you're... You're a good. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is you and me and Luke, I don't know if it's about our personalities or our generation or just the three of us. I don't know how many other people do this, but I do that. You've never even told me that. And I do that. I do that for my, and in fact, not only that, but I would like watch my mom, like go through, like struggling with this super like email, like client and like everything is junk mail. I was, I, I would be like, what are you doing? Like, why is everything on your computer so slow? And I would just get so frustrated. And and I would have to spend three hours while we're all hanging out, having dinner with mom, updating her computer and, and you know, getting rid of all the all the malware and everything that she had going. So yep. I, I, I totally back you up. I think it's a it's an awesome good Samaritan thing we can do for those less technologically inclined. You know, they created us, so I guess we can we can prevent technology that we've created from killing them. Exactly. And, and that's, just, you know, on a, te- on a technology front, it's just something to think about. And what I think about in, in technology, when we talk about things like, like chess.com, I think about a world where this old amazing game was crafted back in, 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 in 1492. And it's called chess. I don't know if that's when it was created, but um, <laughs> it's a game that's evolved and expanded so much over the last 5,000 years right. since chess was created. And every day I just happen to see more and more and more. And I was told 
that no one cared about chess. And I was I was told that chess doesn't matter, but I see Danny's face everywhere in my feed. So Danny, please tell me why or why not chess happens to matter this week specifically. First of all, bravo again for for queuing up our, our next segment in a way that just kept me on the edge of my seat. I didn't know where you were going at first. You had me hooked I never know where I'm here. going. I love it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the one thing I wanted to talk about is um, the, the reason why chess ch- – one of the funny reasons why chess hasn't mattered. And this is going to be – you know, I don't know how many of my own peers – when I say peers, I mean professional chess players. So chess master and up. Um, even even really titled professionals, like like what we said, like an IM or a GM, someone who reached the professional level or a chess commentator, you know, a lot of effort has just not been made by those in in the most powerful positions to do so to change the 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 landscape. And and part of the part of the way you do that is by making chess more accessible and more understandable for people who don't who who aren't just you know. Who, aren't chess masters and but not even not chess masters but aren't even really like very good yet and maybe they play a lot but they're struggling and they don't understand it and after a certain amount of time of banging their head against the proverbial wall they they lose interest or it gets too frustrating it's too hard i mean chess is chess is and chess players chess professionals chess commentators if you watch most chess commentary for the last 20 or 30 years a lot of it is just a bunch of masters glad handing each other slapping each other on the back for a brilliant combination way to go old boy yes old boy yes brilliant yes like a scotch and a cigar you know, like scotch and a cigar and oh, yes i'd remember in 1975 when the sicilian was first played by bobby fisher and it's like all these things that you know like it like it doesn't matter and and not only that like people can't relate to it and one of the and what's interesting is i'm not saying all this just as sort of a call out of my other fellow chess professionals even though i i really feel like it's true and and even even when people think they've made chess oh look what we do with with this it's a little more entertaining than than this it still doesn't go far enough to to help the game grow because you do that by you do that by dropping your ego at the door and and by not not clapping or, or patting yourself on the back for how much you know or understand about something and actually asking yourself a question, which is like, how can I communicate this to somebody else? So not only do they understand it, but they want to learn more in a way that yeah. is like motivating and sort of stimulating their their intellectual curiosity. And instead of making it a turnoff, because people get off on themselves when they think, oh, I'm just like, I'm one of these intellectually elite who understands chess at a high level. And, and that makes me a badass or, 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 or something. And they don't think about it the same way because they don't think about people who talk like this don't say the word badass. <laughs> um, but you get it. And, and I think that one of the things I learned and I am learning more and more of is we really attempt to change this and, and to provide windows and, and, and tools and opportunities for people that, really do love chess. They just didn't even know they did. And we're growing the community. I learned even more that I can do a better job. And I learned that today when I was um, doing doing a chess lesson in, in the show Amateur Hour, where I was going over chess that was super basic. And and even, even I know it's super basic. And I, I don't say it like I think a lot of people would in a way that's belittling it. Like I, I know it's super basic. I understand who I'm talking to. I always try to be very cog, cognizant mm-hmm. of, of my audience at, uh, for the given show. Big word. Big word. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I try to be all those things. And yeah. even then, he yeah. was really a great co-host because he kind of challenged me with even more basic questions that I just like – I didn't even understand. And then I was like, yeah. oh, like I thought I was a good communicator at X, Y, and Z, and I learned even – I you know, I can do a better job um, with this. And um, 
Anyway, so that's that's chess hasn't mattered because it's a tough game that requires some mental commitment. I don't even want to say discipline or I, I don't believe it requires any sort of like natural intellect or high IQ in the way that like, you know, so many times as a kid, you know, I'm in a cab or something and people are like, oh, you're here for a chess tournament. Oh, you must be a genius or this or that. Right. And it's just, you know, it's a specific niche, 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 never, niche. But there you go. Struggling with that it's it's a specific skill just like anything else when you put 10,000 hours into yeah. something you get really good at that specific thing mm-hmm. um and maybe maybe some people are born with genetic aptitudes or or you know I, I don't think I'm a dumb person I think I'm a smart guy but I also don't consider myself a brilliant person on any by any means you know I'm I'm, I'm good at so I'm good at some things and I've and I've made I'm, I'm good at some things and I've made the most of my opportunity and I think the problem is too many people who've been good at chess have actually wanted to be considered brilliant they wanted to look mm-hmm. at themselves in the mirror and consider themselves some sort of some intellectual god and I just I think that that's turned people off it's made the chess world seem like a world of elitist nerds honestly yeah I, I, and, and, and no th- this makes sense to me because I remember when I started at a game studio I was still in school. Uh, and I was working with a bunch of people that had graduated and, and worked on some games previously. And I would ask them some some questions that to me were a little bit more advanced uh, than what I was learning in school. Uh, but to them, it was simplistic uh, in nature. And they didn't have a good way of 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 kind of describing it in a way that didn't make me feel that didn't make me feel little right it made me feel i would talk to them and 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 i know that they weren't trying to come off cocky or or arrogant or or talk down to me but that's what they were doing and and i and it's hard i I agree with you it's hard to actually step back after you've been doing it for a while i had to attempt to uh teach some high school kids c sharp and i had to go back to my basics and it was so hard because I've been doing this for like 15 years and I go, how do I teach somebody uh, of this that I've been doing so much? And I, I do that on a daily basis. I literally have to teach 101 lessons of learning iOS and Android development with Xamarin right. for four years. I give an intro talk over and over again and I I don't have these crazy complex, I'm going to teach you the basics, I'm going to talk to you about the structure and I'm going to talk to you how I was taught it six years ago when I got started. When I was reading the documentation, you got to step back, right? Because this is that 100, 200 level where they understand the concepts but it's still new so you need to describe it in a way that, and then when someone asks you a question, you have to you have to step back and say, all right, well, uh, why did I maybe not disp- explain this correct, or 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 maybe they should know they don't know this, but you can't. If someone asks you a question or they did something wrong, you can't like rub it right. You can't you can't you have to explain things in a different way, and it's a hard skill to master. Just like chess is a hard skill to master. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and just to bring that to bring that to kind of a a, yeah. a summary or, or a close, I just want to say that I, I mean, there's a place for everything. I mean, there are yeah. a lot of really really great chess players who are who are needed to teach guys like me at my level, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's guys like me at my level that are really maybe not as good at talking to beginners and but they're really good at teaching like masters how to like kind of take those steps to try to flirt with being a professional and being, yeah. you know, and it, so I don't mean to I don't mean to 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 cast some sort of general dispersions or 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 blanket judgment over the fact that um, there are obviously really, really good chess players of all levels, and everybody should work with someone who they vibe to and who you can kind of learn from. But I guess what I was sort of saying is, imagine like what you just described uh, of that of that specific scenario of those guys who 
you know, even if it wasn't their attention, it wasn't malicious, it was almost just a part of, it was difficult for them to kind of put themselves in your shoes. And so what I'm saying is there's been too much of a culture in the chess world where putting yourself in someone else's shoes was not the priority, making sure that you explained how much you know is the priority. So Mm -hmm. it was like, it's like there's a difference between explaining something in a way that is sort of self-congratulatory in nature because you're just kind of being like, oh, this is so brilliant or this is so great. Instead of being like, how can I explain this in a way that is like, providing some sort of concept or some sort of pattern that somebody else might apply to their own thing in their own life. And maybe that's just my passion. I mean, I obviously, I, I love teaching and I love communicating and I love, you know, there's a, there's a skill in, in the process of trying of bettering somebody's understanding of something that is, that is also a, a muscle that I've built over time. Just like, getting yourself better in your own chess is it takes your own skills. Right. But I just, I just, I guess I I think about it from a cultural standpoint and I would like, because I see the chess world has so much to offer and it can grow so much more. I would like there to be more peers and more people that think about it that way and actually understand that, Oh, okay. Like, you know, I can do a really good job making chess really fun and educational and good for kids in a way that doesn't diminish all the high qualities of the game, but really provides it, makes it a little more accessible to people. That's all. All right, so here it is. I challenge you. Here it comes. Are you ready? Oh, I have a challenge okay. for you. On on this week's Mott's Ass Danny. Um, right. So <laughs> this week, I don't. We need a jingle for that officially. Right. By the way, if any uh-huh. listeners want to submit a jingle, I will literally insert that Mott's Ass Danny. Right. It's got to be way better than that. Uh, so this new thing is where I ask you anything about chess, where I'm still right, trying to right. learn and become an international master, right, and right. one day. And You're on your way. You're on your way. This week, I look back on uh, the matches with Magnus in the championship uh, earlier this year, yeah. and there was this opening, a Spanish opening, if you will, mm-hmm. and I didn't quite understand because you kept saying what it was, assuming that I knew what it was, and I had no idea. So there I was. I was I was not practicing what I preach, you know. Mm-hmm. I was, but again, you know, uh, yeah, every different, every different. You audience. do your best with every video, yeah. but yeah, go ahead. And this thing, I'm going to pronounce it maybe correct, maybe incorrect, but the Roy Lopez? The Rui Lopez. The Rui Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm looking at her on Wikipedia. The Rui Lopez. I wanted to see if you could describe to me what is this opening? Why was it so popular in 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 Magnus's openings, I would say, or just a theme almost to the championship? It seemed like it seemed like you were always talking about the the Rui, 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 Rui Lopez. Yep. Rui Lopez. Uh, thank you. <laughs> oh, and it, no, is, it is often called the Spanish, just the Spanish, because the Spanish. It's, it's named after the the Spanish chess player, uh, Rui Lopez. But it's also called the Rui Lopez, uh, the main lines of the Rui Lopez. Well, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to answer your questions, and I'm going to do it without explaining any X's and O's, right? Because we okay. don't have a chessboard in front of us. E4, and- E5, if you will. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which is great, by the way. Yeah, so we're, we, but we don't have a chessboard, and we're assuming that most of our audience wouldn't follow me if I was like e forty five nine f three ninety six bishop b five whatever, right? So I mean, we're not going to do that. What I'm going to say is this: so the Rui Lopez is one of the most popular openings through the history of chess, mm. and part of the reason for that is that it 
it's it's a so when I say most popular, it's not just played by amateurs or, or played around the world, but you know many of the greatest chess players in history have made it a regular part of their opening repertoire. So the Bobby Fischer, the Gary Kasparov, the names that there are like three names that if you tell people things on the street, they recognize everyone. Like, well, who was the American who beat the Soviets? And the oh yeah, Bobby Fischer, right? And then you <laughs> yep. say, and who was that Russian guy who lost to the computer? Oh yeah, Kasparov, right? So like they don't know Kasparov's name, but they know the Russian guy who played the computer. And what happened? <laughs> there right exactly. and, and so those are the two names and then the third name that's becoming more and more of a of a of a, a household name people like some a lot of people know magnus carlson more and more yeah. um but that's really it you know those two those those two names bobby fisher and gary kasparov the russian who lost to the computer and the american who beat the russians are the two names that people who don't know chess know mm-hmm. and those two guys played it regularly so the Rui lopez is a it is a it is an opportunity for both sides to play for a win. Mm. And here's what I'm going to say with that. it In a match setting, it, the dynamic positions that are reached in the Rui Lopez, the nature of E4 and E5, white is controlling the light squares, black is controlling the dark squares. White develops his pieces to attack, and black develops his pieces to defend the dark squares. Mm. So what happens is, Yes, from that perspective, you would think, oh, but isn't white always a little bit up? Yes, white is kind of up a small tempo, but but a t- a, a, if the only dynamic advantage someone has in a chess game is a single move, then at some point they may make an inaccuracy and and the dynamic can switch. So what ends up happening is the Rui Lopez is very popular, especially in a match setting when you have like two heavyweights going at it because – Neither neither of them wants to concede in the beginning that they're not playing for a win. They want to create opportunities where both sides have chances to play for a win, white and black. Whereas there's a lot of defenses for black where black is kind of playing for a draw from the outset. Black is playing to equalize the game because they know that their best chance to win is when they get the white pieces, when they get the first move. Mm-hmm. But the Lopez tends to be a dynamic fighting chance for both sides. So that's why you see that's why you see both sides play it. You saw Magnus play it. You know, when he was white and you saw um, Karyakin play it when he was white. So would you say it's like an aggressive opening then? Like both sides are aggressively going. They're like, we're not playing defensive. This is an this is a this is an aggressive, strong opening for both sides. And it's dynamic, meaning Mm -hmm. like it's not symmetrical. It's it's unbalanced in nature. Like I said in the beginning, I did that whole whites going for light and blacks going for dark, which is true. I mean, I don't mean to make a Star Wars reference hashtag light and dark sides of the force. But, you know, it's it's a. It's a it, it's a balance. It's it's a struggle for the balance of the of the critical area of the board, which is the center. And the Rui Lopez really embodies that balance of white and black, kind of fighting each other for for the dynamic control of the most critical area, as much as any opening in the history of chess. And there are others that are close, yeah. but there's a reason why in the match setting that always tends to be something that great players come back to when they when they're playing for a win in a heavyweight battle, and that's why you've seen it played. So many times through history. So did I do a good job of explaining that to you without going too deep into the chess moves? I think so. I mean, I okay. I, I, I like the analogy of the light in there. So if you would in, in, imagine, essentially, pawns come out first. So I'm going to describe the opening as pawns come out first and then knights come out. And then the the finishing of the Royal Lopez is a bishop comes out. Mm-hmm. Right? That That is there's there's white, black. White, black, white plays the bishop. And then that essentially signifies the Roya Lopez. Yep. 
And yep. then and then Black has some options there, but yeah, so that's it. You're right. That's those are the moves I, I rattled off real fast when I was kind of joking. It was the E four, E five, knight f three, knight c six, the bishop comes out to B five and you're in this dynamic struggle where both sides are are fighting for these critical areas of the board. And like we said, it's both sides can play for a win, which makes it attractive when two heavyweights meet and they really want to go head to head. So, so is this one the, of the is this one of the first open because to me I'm looking at the chessboard right now as we literally speak this as so I can envision this and and if our listeners happen to pull up a chessboard and and, and look at the show notes I, I've linked to this Wikipedia which will have this opening and it's really great to visualize and you I think you in words visualize the opening very well um, I feel it looks so familiar to me. I, I don't know if maybe this is one of the, is this usually what people learn first in the opening? Yes. And if it's not, yes. oh, it is. Okay. That makes no, it, sense. It is. And that might be why. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's one of the first openings that gets taught, partly because mm-hmm. of its historical significance and partly because when kids are first learning chess, you want every move to have a purpose. So now that I know you have a chess board in front of you, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little more. So, so the pawn goes to E4, which is a controlling move over the center and opens up this light squared bishop on F1 and the queen on D1. So you create opportunities. And Black does the same. He meets you. He says, you know what? I'm not backing down. I'm going to play E5 and I'm not going anywhere, buddy. I'm you here. got the light squares. I'm, I'm fighting for the dark. Here we go. Yeah. And White develops the knight with a tempo, meaning it attacks this pawn on E5. The knight comes out, attacking move. Mm-hmm. And then Black says, all right, you're attacking it, but I got knight C6 and I'm defending that pawn. And so I'm not going to blink. And then White place the first truly dynamic move which is bishop b5 that's a move that black can't really replicate which attacks the knight on c6 and so indirectly increases white's threats over the dark squares because you're threatening to remove that knight and now there's a lot of ways black usually comes back with an imbalance of his own he plays like the knight to f6 now he attacks white's light square e4 pawn so i'm Mm -hmm. sort of I'm, i'm sort of walking you through this like pound for pound every move has purpose so the reason you teach it even to young kids is because you teach them not to just get all their pieces out and then you know bob's your uncle and you know uh, that's it right you teach them every move comes out with a purpose and a specific reason so that's why it's also taught to to a lot of young amateurs as well so yes you're right that makes sense and like each move has a weight i think it is, is as you're describing it it feels like it feels like a nice, heavy, like it, it feels good, right? When, it feels epic, when right? It does feel epic. Like as you describe that, I'm, I was visualizing like moving the pieces back and moving them forward. And I was like, he's right. Like literally that night is aggressively saying like, hey, I'm going to take your pawn. And then black goes, oh, no, you're not. And then right. white goes, what you going to do now? <laughs> right. right, exactly. No. No, and, then, and, then, and then black kind of returns the favor and things get... Things get wet and wild, you know. Let's just say that. I mean, the Lopez is uh, it's where, it's where chess champions go to die, make or break, you know. Um, so it is. It. That's a that's a that was a really that was a good chess question. Hopefully that that's actually kind of helpful for people, and it's uh, it's a fun it's a fun thing to get into when you start seeing chess as like this epic strategical battle and guess what that position has been played where like people have repeated games out to like move 25 and 30 where they're repeating off what previous grandmasters have done they're trying to show their own improvement and stamp on the position and so um, from one sense people think oh that's kind of boring but then the other sense it's like wow that's epic right this has been played for how many years now like since chess theory has invented like a couple hundred years i mean really before that people played things but you know theory game theory doesn't really develop until you have a record of a game because that allows you to assess and see mistakes and so where chess really started separating itself from a lot of other strategical board games is it was one of the first ever that started keeping track of stuff it started Mm -hmm. like we're going to record this and then we're going to go over it bro and then we're going to see what happened dude And this is like people in the 
1500s were like, holy bleep, <laughs> like, dude, we just invented chess theory. So if you look up a guy named Philidor, if you look up chess theoretician Philidor in Wikipedia, and maybe we'll put a link to that guy. He was one of the first ever chess theoreticians where he was, ah. he was like a chess scientist. He started, he started just mapping everything and, and it changed the game where now there's, there's other board games that, and now kind of emulate that, but really, that's why theory has developed and that people have tried to master it because they could keep track of things and they could learn from their previous encounters. And, and that was a game changer. So there you go. Love it. See, teaching people something new. I, I thought that you executed those moves of describing the Ruy Lopez and um, only correcting me a few times as I continuously um, um, do <laughs> hey, it. And our, I will our, say... Our last episode was called Carl Magnuson, man. So you're doing great. Classic. I have, I've decided not to follow Carl anymore. I'm just going to go to Magnus. Um, he seems like a, a go-getter. Right. right. Um, so anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you got on your mind, Danny? You know what? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, this was this was a lot of fun. I appreciate everybody who's who's following us on our journey to to bridge chess and tech and coffee. We didn't talk enough coffee. I think I've got I've got a good coffee story next week. That's kind of a sad mm-hmm. story, um, you know. But I'm going to foreshadow that with say that it ends with a twist ending. All right. So here's my pro t- pro co- hashtag pro coffee tip. Um, Starbucks, which. Uh, you know, I partake in a Starbucks every once in a while, especially at conferences where it's the only coffee around. They have a brand new uh, iced coffee. It's called a toasted coconut iced coffee. Only 50 calories for a grande. It's delicious. Give it a try. Pro tip. Boom. When are they going to start paying us? That's what I want to know. So I know. Hashtag not span- <laughs> n- no sponsorship money coming in. Hashtag no still got to pay for my own Starbucks. Hashtag. Um, hashtag. All right. Well, besides the show notes, everyone, you can follow us everywhere you know. You can find James Montemagno. Uh, You don't even have to spell his name. I actually tried to spell his name the other day, and I made a small typo, and it still found James Montemagno. So he has reached the big time. You know you've reached the big time when people can find you on a typo. And uh, so find James Montemagno everywhere that people are found. And um, you can find me at least by Danny or Daniel Wrench pretty much everywhere things are found. Daniel Wrench is the official slashes. If you have the Facebook slash Daniel Wrench, the YouTube slash Daniel Wrench, the Twitter. But Danny is also what I go by. Only my mom called me Daniel. Then, you know, that's I had I had my first Mother's Day. My mom passed away last year. Mons, you know that. So first Mother's Day without us. That was a little bit of a sad note for me this week. But you know what? Um, we, uh, life is good. And I know that she would be proud of this podcast. So I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to leave it on that. Absolutely. Well, this has been, uh, coffee house blunders, blundering away all the time. Uh, you can find us at blunders.fm. And of course, until next week, I'm James. And this is my good, good friend, Danny. I love you so much, buddy. Peace out everybody. Peace out.